0: joy in the house of the Lord, just like we sang about this morning. It's great to hear everybody talking and laughing, and it's good, good stuff. Well, I've felt blessed over the past couple of weeks to rely on men right here in our church to fill the pulpit. We're blessed. We certainly are blessed to be able to do that and not have to turn to any Friday from the outside to come in and preach God's Word. This morning, we're going to continue in God's Word as we go through the Word together We come to a a really interesting point in the biblical narrative. It's one fascinating to read, but it's also tragic to read. Uh, After Solomon, King Solomon, the nation of Israel is then divided into two different kingdoms. Can you imagine God's people getting to the point where they have to part ways and separate? So we've got Israel to the north. Judah to the south, and similar to the book of Judges, the, the nations or the kingdoms go through this uh, this cycle that's punctuated with some good kings that try to follow God and get the people to follow God, but generally it's made up of bad kings who lead the people farther and farther into rebellion against God, actually worshiping other gods. And all throughout this kingdom period in the Bible, God provides These prophets to uh, the people, many of these prophets wrote the prophetic books toward the end of the Old Testament, and they served to speak to God's people to try and get them back on track and to speak to the leaders of the kingdoms to try and get them to get the nations and the kingdoms back on track. One such prophet who we'll be talking about this morning and saying about was a man by the name of Elijah. And we're going to be in 1 Kings this morning, chapter 18, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Elijah was a monumental figure in the Old Testament. He's one of two people who would appear with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. The other being Moses. And just as Moses was a representative of God's law, Elijah was a representative of God's prophets. And so to give you a little history... This man by the name of Ahab becomes king of Israel to the north. And the Bible goes so far to say that Ahab did what was evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And this guy was the one that was married to a woman. You probably recognize her name, Jezebel. Ahab was married to Jezebel. They worshiped this false god named Baal. He even built a temple for for Baal in Samaria and worshiped him there. And the Bible says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord than all the kings who were before him. Now, another side note, during the reign of Ahab, the people got so far just down the wrong track... That they, they actually rebuilt the city of Jericho. Seems like just a few weeks ago we were talking about God's people going in and, and conquering Jericho, right? Well, now they're rebuilding that city. And a man by the name of Hiel rebuilt it during the reign of Ahab at the cost of his firstborn and his youngest. Just as Joshua said would happen to the man that rebuilt Jericho. Now, I say that to make this point. These people at this point in history were hard. Their hearts were hardened uh, to the point that they would openly rebel against God regardless of the consequences that they may face, even losing their own children because of their rebellion. So it's time for a showdown. And this is a really awesome story we're going to read about this morning. It's time for a showdown for, for God's people to have an awakening. See, Jezebel had had God's prophets literally slaughtered, and the people were now openly worshiping a false god. And so Elijah calls on King Ahab to gather everyone in Israel on Mount Carmel. I know we say Carmel, right? Mount Carmel. If you go over there, they call it Carmel. Carmel. And so he gathers them on this, this mountain. He says, bring all Israel, bring 950 false prophets that eat at Jezebel's table. And, and what you've got on Mount Carmel is this, this beautiful, large mountain range that overlooks the Jezreel Valley. And, and when you're up there on top of Mount Carmel, you can almost see all of Israel. I mean, you can see almost all the way to the coast in one direction and all the way back towards uh, just the entire nation in the other direction. Elijah confronts the Israelites and he says, look, guys, if Yahweh God, let's follow him. If Baal is actually a real God, then follow Baal. But choose one or the other. And the, the people, the Bible says, were silent when Elijah made that, that point, at least for now. And so Elijah then makes a proposition. He says, let's, let's both offer a sacrifice. We will call on our respective gods. I, the lone prophet of Yahweh, will call on him to bring down fire from heaven to consume this sacrifice. You 450 prophets of Baal call on your God. And the God that answers will be the one true God. And that's who will serve. And the people say, okay, that sounds like a pretty good deal. That takes us to 1 Kings chapter 18. The Bible says, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. Guess what? But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon, they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people approached him. And they, then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the, large, the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull and placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said a second time and they did it a second time and he said a third time and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I think sometimes our lives, when you read through some of these stories in the Old Testament, and you're, you're reading about Israel, you're reading about Judah, and they're going good, and then they just, just mess things completely up. I think these stories are reflective of our lives. Sometimes we go through periods and we're doing the right things. Things are going great. We're close to God. We're faithful. We're following Him. And then we have times that we simply give our hearts to another God, uh, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. And then we end up facing the consequences. And so sometimes we turn back quickly. Preferably, that's the way it works, but sometimes we're a little bit stubborn, and it takes a a moment like this for God to get our attention and turn our hearts back. So there's three major takeaways from this passage this morning dealing with our relationship to God, and the first is very simple. I must not trust false gods at all, not even a little bit. This story, it's sad, but it's almost funny, right? When we read through this, how much hope that these people have placed in this God that they've created, this God that they've made up, and they call out to him all day long, but there's no response. They're trying to do things to get his attention, but there's, there's nothing. And then Elijah even begins to make fun of them. He makes fun of this false God, Bells. Maybe he's a sleeper, maybe he's on vacation, or maybe he's just thinking things over. And all day long, this goes on, but no one answers because no one's paying attention because no one's there. They have placed all their hope and all their trust in a God that does not even exist. And that seems bizarre to us, doesn't it? But how often do we put our trust in something or in someone other than the God of the Bible? A lot of Christians, if they're honest, would probably not be content in this life if all they had was Christ alone. And what I mean by that is, if you strip everything else away, take away the family, take away the friends, take away your health, take away the creature comforts, and, and find yourself like Job, left with nothing but God. How many of you could honestly say, I'd, I'd be great with that? Probably not. And when then we get mad at God... Just when things don't go our way or when he doesn't answer the prayers that we think God needs to answer. So what we're we're really saying is we have this mentality that, yeah, we're, we're happy with God as long as God provides and gives us everything else that we need to be happy and content with life. I'm, I'm happy with God as long as I got this job or I'm happy with God as long as I've got this relationship or I've got these people in my life. I'm happy with God as long as God leaves me alone because, hey, me and God, we got this understanding, right? How many times have you heard that before? And what we do is we create these little false gods in our life in which we place our hope and our trust outside of God alone. The problem with that, one of the problems, is that every other God besides the God of Scripture will will let you down at some point. Every other God will, will fail you and leave you wanting more and craving something more, will lead you to places that maybe you otherwise wouldn't go in life because your heart is never truly satisfied until it finds its satisfaction in God alone. So don't trust any other God besides God. Let's dig a little bit deeper into this. The second thing is I must remember God always. In our Wednesday night Bible study in the book of Judges that really goes hand in hand with where we're at in Scripture... Pastor J.D. Greer said that spiritual amnesia leads to spiritual apostasy. And see, the Israelites continually suffer from spiritual amnesia. And because of that, they, they face spiritual apostasy. They forget who God is. They forget what God has done to the point in this story that the altar to God on top of this mountain is, is laying in ruins. It's been torn down and in its place all over the country, all over the kingdom we have these altars to these false gods and temples to these false gods. And the people had really forgotten who God really was. And so Elijah the prophet gathers everyone around And I think uh, as many times as I've read this story, I forget this one particular scene in the middle of this story where Elijah says, everybody come here for a minute. I want to show you something. I want to teach you a lesson he goes back and he gives them a history lesson. He begins to rebuild this altar. And he takes these 12 stones and carefully places them out very purposely. And he puts everything in place and explains its meaning and how they were to be God's people, God's chosen people. You see, sometimes we need to get back to the basics of our faith. Sometimes we need to rebuild some of these, these parts of our spiritual lives that we've either torn down or we've allowed life to just wear down. And we need to go back and remember what God has done in our life. We need to get back to that simple relationship with God and find our contentment and our joy in Him alone and forget all this other stuff. Get back to spending time with Him, praying to Him, spending time in His Word, clearing away some of the rubble that life has piled in our, on our spiritual lives and make space for God in our life again. Just get back to, to that moment in our mind and our heart where, where God saved you. He brought you from darkness into light. And, and when we begin to do this, we begin to think, well, God saved me. God's done this for me. And God was there when I needed Him here. And, and He provided here. And He did all these wonderful things. And He's just God. and he's, he's magnificent. And I think we get to a point where the joy of our salvation is restored as King David once prayed. If we don't do this, all of our spiritual amnesia is going to lead us to spiritual apostasy as we begin to forget who God is. And like these people, in just a couple generations, we, we find no one even knowing God. So we've got to remember Him. The last one is this. And this one seems very simple. And that's, I must worship God alone. You say, okay, preacher, that, that sounds pretty straightforward. It's common sense. But it's one thing to trust God. and It's one thing to remember God. And it's another thing to actually worship Him the way that He needs to be worshipped. The way that he deserves to be worshipped. To think that you're not just coming in here and singing songs on Sunday morning. uh, But you live a life that was given to you by the maker of heaven and earth. And you were created to bring him glory in everything that you do of every single day. And you live a life to worship him. Elijah prayed for God to do this thing. Not so that he would be exalted in the eyes of the people. What you've got to realize, I mean, it makes Elijah look like a hero, right? And if you go to Mount Carmel, there's this really cool statue of Elijah with his sword out and his foot on the prophets of Bel- just getting ready to, to kill them all. But right after this high moment in Elijah's ministry, Elijah has to run for his life. And Elijah goes through a season where he's actually suicidal and just asks God, just take me out. If this is the way it's going to be, just kill me. He prayed for God to do this so that God would be glorified and that people's hearts will be turned back to him. And so when God immediately answers Elijah and the fire falls from heaven. And again, this is a high mountain in Israel. And I, I think most of Israel could see this fire coming down out of heaven as Elijah prayed to God and it consumed this sacrifice. And then what's the response of the people? They're not silent anymore, are they? The Bible says they fall on their face and proclaim that the Lord, literally, Yahweh is God. There is no other. And they worship Him. Now we say, Pastor, listen, I don't have a problem worshiping another God. Well, Here's what the late, great Charles Spurgeon said about us. He said, if you love anything better than God, you are idolaters. If there's anything you would not give up for God, it is your idol. If there's anything you seek with greater fervor than you seek the glory of God, that is your idol. And conversion means turning from every idol. So let me ask you this this morning, church. Who or what in your life gets most of your time? Who or what in your life gets most of your treasure? Who or what consumes most of your energy throughout the week? How are you using your talents and your gifts and these things that God has given you in this life? And more than that, let me ask you this. Are you truly worshiping the God of the Bible, the God of Scripture? And what I mean by that is, are you, are you worshiping the God that we see in the Bible? Or are, have you made up this, this false God in your mind that's loosely based on the God of the Bible, but actually exists for you and for your glory and for your benefit? That hurts a little. Do you worship the God of Scripture or do you worship this this false God that that we've created that answers only the prayers that are in line with your will but not necessarily His? A God that wants you to be comfortable. A God that would never ask you to do anything crazy for Him. A God that would never ask you to leave your home and your family. A God that would never ask you to suffer for His name's sake. Listen, folks. Our God... The God of the, the Bible, the God of Holy Scripture, he, yes, He's a loving God. Yes, He is a merciful and gracious and compassionate God. And yes, He has good plans for you and for your future. And that is all true. But listen, our God is also a righteous God. He is a righteous judge. He is a just God, a jealous God. The Bible says our God is an all-consuming fire, just like we see in this story. He's completely sovereign. The Bible says He will have mercy on whom He will have mercy and compassion on whom He will have compassion. He is an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an ever-present God, an eternal God. And this God wants a relationship with you. This God that we read about gave His one and only Son so that you could be saved from your sin and have everlasting life. The God that created the entire universe just spoke and it came into existence. Wants to know you personally. And wants your love and your adoration and your worship. Maybe this morning that's what you need. Is You need that salvation that He freely gives to everyone who will take it. Maybe this morning... You need to get back to the basics of your faith. Just walking more closely with your maker every single day. Maybe you need to get back to letting go of some of these false gods, some of these little idols that you've created. Maybe you need to uh, dig into Scripture and see what the Bible says about our God and worship Him on the mountain and worship Him in the valley and follow Him no matter what life brings. I can promise you this. If you follow the God of the Bible, you'll never be let down. Every other false God, every other bell, every other thing or person that you might give your heart to in this life will at some point fail you. Leave you empty and broken and just hopeless. But my God is a God that provides hope and he will never fail you. Let's stand together as we prepare to worship Him together this morning. And let's pray. Father, as we turn to Scripture this morning, and God, it's just such a reminder of how easy our hearts are given to idolatry. God, sometimes we don't even mean to. God, sometimes we, we just drift away. It's just this slow fade as we give our hearts to other things and other people. But Lord, this morning, I pray that we'd give our heart completely to You. That we we would trust in nothing and no one but You. And God, no matter what we're going through in life this morning, God, if someone's here and they, they feel like the bell worshipers, that there's no one there, no one cares, no one's listening, God, I pray that this morning they would know that the God of heaven hears them, loves them, and wants to walk with them every day. Lord, we thank you for allowing us the privilege to stand before you in your presence and worship you. Thank you for loving us, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, this altar's open. If you want to come and pray, if you need to pray, if there's a decision that you need to share with your church family, invite you to come. Everybody else, let's sing together. Here I am to worship. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville on Twitter at Barberville FBC or on our Facebook page First Baptist Barberville.